Tuesday night on the fan pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. We got a two-hour show tonight, folks. First hour on TV, second hour on radio and Sportsnet 590, the fan, as we lead into what is another game for the Toronto Raptors on this road trip against DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls at 8 p.m. on the network tonight and on Sportsnet 590, the fan. And we'll have Matt Devlin on in about five minutes to help us tee it all up. Yep, and it looks like the Blue Jays are done for the offseason, at least potentially, after reaching a one-year deal with 39-year-old veteran bat Justin Turner. We'll discuss that in moments before bringing in Russell Martin in about a half hour to discuss uh, the acquisition and what Russ is up to. He played one year with Justin Turner for the Dodgers back in 2019. We're 22 games into the inaugural PWHL season and two nights away from their three-on-three showcase tournament here in Toronto. So we're going to check in with Haley Salvian on all of that and take a little look around the Canadian NHL teams at the All-Star break. We'll also have best bets. I've sworn off the NBA for a little while. I think I'm doing a prop a day leading up to the Super Bowl, so we'll get into Mm -hmm. that. And we'll also touch on a new event at the NBA All-Star game with two of the most lethal shooters in the game going head-to-head. We'll get into that in a bit. So let's start with the Blue Jays signing Justin Turner to a $13 million one-year deal with some bonus opportunities there. Uh, we will talk to Russell Martin, as you mentioned, who can give us like the teammate perspective of it because everything you hear about him off, you know, off the field, I guess, is that he's a great guy, he's a good leader, he's obviously won, he's experienced, hence him being 39 years old. Uh, but let's take a look at what he will bring to this Blue Jays lineup, and that is mostly being probably a DH option for the Blue Jays. Yeah, it seems so. I would hope that there's a little bit of third base action uh, sprinkled in. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it might be uh, a little bit hopeful on my end, but it would offer a route at least to optimize the roster, further optimize the best possible lineup that you can put out there. But to me, the signing, like I have really no doubt that Justin Turner is going to be productive enough, mm-hmm. right? At least on a one-year commitment worth $13 million. He is what they needed to do to complete a roster. I mean, without this move, they would have an incomplete roster. However, I, I, you just can't separate, you know, what was happening at the start of this offseason, right? Where there's the flirtation, the idea that you could fundamentally change everything about this team And to end up at the place we're at where it's just like, hey, this is Brandon Belt's replacement and they're the similar age and they're going to have the similar impact. And he might hit more home home runs, might have a better average. He's going to do it from the right side of the plate. Uh, But we're basically just replacing the parts that are missing from last year's team, which did go to the playoffs, but clearly wasn't good enough. Uh, It's just the same kind of story as last offseason where they're just a little less talented than they were. I think if this signing had happened uh, a couple months ago, it would have felt like a great start to the Blue Jays offseason. But we're only weeks away from pitchers and catchers and spring training starting. And uh, Ben Nicholson, excuse me, Ben Nicholson Smith a little earlier today uh, was talking on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and said that he thinks this will be the last big swing. And, and mm-hmm. this is really the only big swing. I mean, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and then Kevin Kiermeyer, like these are names that would be nice to fill in a little bit later in an offseason. But this is basically the entire Blue Jays offseason. So when we heard from Ross Atkins earlier, um, I guess it was in the fall, he said that they're relying a lot on this internal development. Well, oh, this that was is... Poe Shohei. Poe Shohei was internal development, is right? Is that earlier in the fall, later in the winter? I don't even know. What month is it? Later in the winter. It was recently enough. Winter meetings. Post-winter meetings. Got to be winter. Said that this team will be Mm. uh, relying a lot on internal development. And this, you know, we can look at Justin Turner's stats. And 
for a guy that's 39 years old, he can still be an important part of this Blue Jays roster, and he's going to have to be, right? And that's like kind of the blessing and curse in this in this acquisition is it it's not the sexiest name available on the market, but it's one of the last names available on the market, and it was something that the Blue Jays needed to do. So I can understand like quibbling with it as it isn't you know the the top of your wish list earlier on, but it needed to get done. Um, he still has something left to give obviously the older you get and the more experience and the more wear and tear that's going to diminish a bit but if you look at his numbers last year he would have actually fit pretty well on this blue jays team or he would have you know it kind of given you the disparity of what the blue jays weren't getting from the rest well, that's of the lineup it. it's but like, like a, it's like the indictment of the blue jays yeah, is like it's certainly, you could go through his numbers and he would have been productive on last year's team because on last year's team if dropped in there in 2023 he would have been second with his 23 home runs he would have been first with his 96 rbi second in average you can go down the line he would have been one of the most productive mm-hmm. hitters on this team last year but he doesn't materially change the team mm-hmm. uh he will add to it he'll do hopefully a little bit better than brandon belt was able to do but does he transform this team in any material way to me no and it's really impossible for any one person yep. to do that except for the one that the blue jays were chasing at the beginning of winter the back half of fall whatever you want to put it or however you want to put it like that's just the reality i don't think this team this team just like yeah, pigeonholed in some way. Like, this is what we need because they have a lot of players already in place. Mm-hmm. However, in order to make material change, in order to be better, in order to keep up with the race, like, there had to be improvements in spots that were already occupied. This occupies the the vacant space that they had, but does it do anything to really change the team? I'm not really sure. And I think you have to ask the question now, like, what is preventing at this point the Blue Jays from bringing in meaningful talent because Justin Turner yeah he's going to do a job for this team I think he's going to help this team be a little bit better if they have the internal improvement maybe they can do something despite probably being lesser than the Rangers the Astros the the Orioles etc etc but for whatever reason and you can separate the Shohei thing from this if you want there's something in the way of them bringing in talent whether it's a reluctance to spend or reluctance to tie yourself up long-term in certain assets mm-hmm. or are players just not wanting to entertain the idea of being a Blue Jay if you're the Bellagers and the Solaires, et cetera, et cetera. There's just, there's some, there's, there's a roadblock. There's something up right now that's preventing guys that are really going to move the needle from coming here. And it's something that's got to be addressed. Uh, we're going to fill um, a lot more of this in with Russell Martin around 630 get the on and off uh, the field look at Justin Turner, a guy that he did play with um, and will be with the Blue Jays for at least one season. But let's pivot to the Toronto Raptors in action tonight at 8 p.m. on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 590, The Fan. And Matt Devlin, a voice of the Toronto Raptors, joins us now. Matt, how's it going? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Look at that arena. Looking a little empty right now, but soon to be. Oh. Looking nice. <laughs> about two hours. You got out on the court. You had some of the Chicago Bulls and some of the Toronto Raptors. Dennis Stewart around here. Mm-hmm. Michael Grange, in fact, is already here. <laughs> well, if we're done uh, with you, ready. if we're done with you, you can just hand the computer over to the Grange after and uh, we'll get you guys both on. Let's talk about that team today. Of course, uh, a big one against DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Uh, I want to ask you about kind of the delicacy of the situation with the Raptors right now. A bit of a conundrum in a sense because 
tanking is a word that's being used. Uh, whether you like it or not, you hear it. Uh, obviously, the draft opportunity with being lower in the standings and the opportunity with a, a better pick is there. But there's also the other side of it, developing young talent, not trying to create a culture that accepts losing. Like, all of these things are really important to weigh. And I wonder for you, like, where you stand on just how important this next stretch of, of basketball is for the Toronto Raptors in their direction. Well, number one, I wouldn't uh, agree with the idea of people saying that the tanking are they rebuilding? Have they hit the reset button? They have, and Masai Ujiri has talked about that. Currently, they have four of the top 31 picks in the upcoming 2024 NBA draft. And when you look at where the Raptors are, remember with the Yaka Turtle trade from a season ago, they have a top six detected grip. However, right now, based upon where they are in the standing, they would more than likely have that grip. The trade deadline is February 8th. They understood that there needed to be a move. The first one was OG, the second one was Pascal Siakam. And they wanted to build around a young career starting with Scotty Barnes. And then you add a man with a quickly and RJ Barrett. Now, unfortunately, those two players are out and injured. The other player would be Yaka Pogo, who just one in nine without Yaka on the floor. So this is a reset, rebuild, reload, whatever you want to use from a verdict standpoint, that's where the Toronto Raptors are. And it is a delicate balance because you do want to win games. And I do believe Hey, Matt, sorry, Matt. We're just going to reconnect with you quickly because uh, we're getting a little bit of fuzziness from you. It might just be the headphones. Uh, Sorry to cut you off, Matt. We'll reconnect in a second. but he's talking about, I, th- I heard Jakob Pertl's name, mm-hmm. who I was going to lead with next, of course. Like, he's been uh last 10 games without Pertl. They're 1-9, and nine, and you're seeing the emphasis that he could be bringing to this lineup. You know, uh, second, uh, giving up the second most amount of rebounds per game, the most amount of points in the paint, a minus 63 rebounding uh, rebounding differential. I know we talk a lot about how expensive Jakob Pertl was, but just look at this small stretch of games where they don't have him. Obviously, the Raptors are dealing with some other injury issues as well. So it's not all on him, but shows you how like thin the margins are, right? When you lose one or two or three guys, unfortunately, you've lost three starters in this stretch. I mean, Jakob Pertl has definitely been an absence the Raptors have felt. Yeah, I guess it depends how you look at it a, a little bit. Like, clearly, that's an issue. But where is this team right now? Where is this team in their development right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess if you were a team that fancies itself as a legitimate playoff contender, then, wow, uh, how are we that thin at that one position? How is it having that devastating of an impact on what we're doing here? But we know the Raptors aren't in that position. I, I, I don't know if it makes it more justifiable that they went out and paid the price that they did for Pirtle, but it also, you look at where they were before they made that trade and be like, of course you would want to bring in someone who could give you that because Mm -hmm. where else are you getting that production? It is telling on this team in many ways, but at the same time, they're not ready to compete right now and they're still trying to put the pieces in place. So yeah, in the here and now, it doesn't look like the greatest thing ever to be devoid of anything that can step in and be Pirtle like, mm-hmm. uh, but is is it a huge detriment on the season on what they're doing uh, on Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster? No. I, I guess not. No, 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 and I I don't think so either. It's just you know this stretch of one and nine without him, 
you've seen that this team, you know, they're like that one player away really at times from being competitive. They've lost some tight ones down the mm-hmm. stretch. They've got RJ and uh, RJ's doubtful. No, no RJ tonight. Sorry. Quickly's doubtful. And Yak is questionable. So it could be another game where you're missing three starters from your rotation. But the Raptors, as we've talked about on our show, are like tiptoeing and flirting with the idea of having it like a, a really good draft pick. Right. So, it's not that, you know, they're going to not rush to have these guys back, but how important are the next six games to determining where you are in the standings? You know, the trade deadline is next week. Yeah, and it's it's almost impossible to make determinations, right, without R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly mm-hmm. being available. But I guess you shouldn't be making determinations based on what we see in Chicago tonight, right? This team should have had a plan, right. and I'm assuming did and does have a plan that date ba- dates back, you know, predates Pascal Siakam's trade and OG Ananobi's trade and what they were planning on doing. I, I do go back to what Masai Ujiri was saying at the end of last season where he didn't like what he was seeing. He didn't enjoy mm-hmm. watching his team anymore and how much that impacted him. And it's not to say that like we're not able to enjoy what we see right now because clearly whenever IQ is on the floor, whenever R.J. Barrett is smiling and playing mm-hmm. for the Toronto Raptors, it is enjoyable. But without those two... And when it's stripped down and barren the way it has been, at least without those guys, like the enjoyable factor is is definitely muted, right? And we're going to bring Matt Devlin back in. Hopefully the the earbuds are ready to rock. Uh, Maddie, like this season has been different in many ways from last, obviously, because there was dark clouds hanging over it last year and they make the trade this year and it's so it's a shot in the arm right like you see rj back home you see a new talent in emmanuel quickly you're really really excited about it but in the here and now without them available we expect like it it kind of takes you back to last season at least it does a bit for me but when you look at this year like what are you clinging to in terms of positives when you see rj and iq is it easy for you to do that well you know first of all sorry about the connection um but when you just to kind of wrap up, you look, you're you're looking at small victories right now, small wins. And a small win the other night was the way Jordan Wara played, the way Grady Dick played. And now you're looking for consistency in that as this team turns to being younger. And it's you know, been an unbelievable ten years of success, one of the best records in the NBA, top three, in fact, over the last decade. And that's inclusive of the one year in Tampa where you ended up getting Scotty Barnes. And so now you're at a different stage. And to me, this is completely different from a season ago. A season ago, you made a deal at the deadline trying to help. Uh, you ended up uh, with Yaka Pirtle. You went 15-11 and 11 with Yaka. Uh, You had an opportunity up big against these Chicago Bulls in the play-in. The team ended up losing that game. And then from there, the changes started. And the changes started with Nick Nurse and then Fred Van Vliet. And the front office decided to give Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi another opportunity here early on. Different set of eyes on everyone. That would be specifically Darko Ryakovich, the head coach, and his coaching staff. And ultimately, it got to the point where, okay, we need to go in a different direction. And so the positives are the moments within the 48 minutes. It is hard to win, as both of you know, in any league. Um, And it's really hard to win when the three players 
that you are really looking at as part of your future. Scotty Barnes is 22, R.J. Barrett's 23, and Emmanuel Quickly is 24. Maddie, you mentioned the 15 and 11 record uh, for the Raptors last year after acquiring acquiring Jakob Pertl. Uh, it almost felt like okay, they could stop talking and thinking about what was ahead last season. They got to play basketball. They played pretty good basketball down the stretch. Do you think the trade deadline is hanging over this team in any way, like that they're looking ahead and they just want to get to February 8th and move on? I know it's hard to separate because you got the guys coming in who clearly are a part of this future, but for everyone else, is it kind of the same as last year and you're waiting for the deadline to just see what everything's going to shake down like? I don't know that you're waiting on the deadline because I think that there's a lot of different options whether you decide to do something now or do you decide to do something uh, on draft night, right? So you have Bruce Brown. uh, He has a valuable contract that you could possibly use on draft night. As we mentioned before, they have four picks. You know, is that part of it? And there's more clarity in time, but are there players that other organizations would want? For sure, the Raptors have that. Uh, in a couple of different players, in fact, uh, that, you know, when you talk to scouts around the NBA, when you're in arenas, their names come up. And so the question then becomes, if you're the Toronto Raptors, you know, do you get involved in that now and say, okay, we're willing to do this and it's going to bring back maybe another young talent or a different pick in a different year rather than the 2024 pick. So, Um, It's something that ultimately time will tell, meaning up until February 8th. But I don't feel like the front office feels like, oh, we have to rush in and do something right now because I think that they believe that they also have that opportunity as they head toward the draft. We're chatting with Matt Devlin ahead of Raptors and Bulls tonight, 8 p.m. on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. And Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, Raptors obviously dealing with a little bit of an injury bug this last stretch. But who stepped up for you or who have you been impressed with um, on this uh, little bit of a run? where We're getting to learn some new guys' names. How about that, Matt? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, number one, Fad Young in 17 years in the NBA (laughs) has gone from, you know, not getting any time to playing in 11 straight and 23-plus minutes and three consecutive and I know it's a name that everybody knows, but, you know, just what he's doing out there has been valuable. I mentioned Grady Dick, and I mentioned Jordan Wara. I think Mm -hmm. that for them, this is really important and valuable time because for Grady, when you look at the fact that he has played in four straight, he started the season playing in 14 consecutive games. It's really time now, not only for himself, but also the staff to say, okay, go ahead, we need you out there from a development standpoint because, as we all know, nothing replaces being out there on the floor uh, from a development standpoint. So, Grady, to me, that's important. For Wara, he has shown the ability throughout not only his collegiate career, his three years at Louisville, but also in his professional career. He can shoot the three. It becomes consistency. This is his third team. He's won a ring with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's 25 years of age. And he really played well on Sunday night in Atlanta. And so can you start now mounting games right where it's not just one night out of a two-week stretch, but is it 
you know, two nights, three nights. And if he can start doing that, I think that becomes extremely valuable for the Toronto Raptors because it's another young player uh, that uh, is at the end of his deal in his fourth year. And so somebody that you may decide, hey, let's keep him around for the future. Uh, at an individual level, certainly there are a lot of things to play for down the stretch. And of course, the Raptors have a lot of things to play for as an organization. But in terms of like objectives, reasonable objectives for this team down the stretch, uh, is there one that you have pinpointed, circled where, hey, this is what we should be driving for here? No, I, you know what? Because what happens is we all get into the W's and the L's, right? And that's just not about the W's and the L's. And I've this is my 16th year of, of calling play-by-play for the Raptors and 20-plus in the NBA. And when you are in this mode, you know, those things become a little bit more of a, as I mentioned earlier, game-by-game within the game moment, right? You want to see growth with respect to Scotty Barnes, his continued growth as a player, spectacular numbers, and now all of a sudden a leadership role. And within that, you have not only are you a focal point on the scouting report from an offensive standpoint, you're now stepping up guarding another team's top player. How do you handle that? That's what you look at. Grady Dick, are you playing 25 to 30 minutes a night? Are you starting to find some rhythm from three-point range? How are you guarding? Took a charge the other night. That's really valuable. RJ and Quick, along with Scotty, those three, we have seen where they have played well together. Now you're just looking for and waiting for Jakob Pertl to come back and be healthy. And how do these four players look? It's not necessarily at the end of the day about the W's and the L's. It's about what are they doing together, time on the floor, the pluses, the minuses, and then can you build from there? And that's ultimately where the Raptors are right now. And, you know, that will that change? It'll change in time because we know that Masai is extremely competitive and we know that Bobby Webster is extremely competitive, as is the head coach, Darko Ryakovich. But it just takes time now because you're now trying to build back up and be in that top six in the NBA be in that top six in the Eastern Conference, and that's time. And so these moments, game like tonight, hey, you want to get the split this season with the Chicago Bulls. Bulls don't have Zach Levine. Bulls are playing better basketball as of late without Zach Levine. But what can you do on the road? You've dropped five in a row. Can you stop that? You Those are the sort of things that, you know, you kind of look at instead of you're looking at the big picture, but then you're also really zeroing in on specific moments to moments. Yeah, these games uh, are not only important for the wins and losses, as you said, but maybe more character building for some of the young uh, Toronto Raptors. Uh, Matt, we appreciate you coming on and reconnecting when we had some issues. Uh, Have a great call tonight, and uh, we'll chat down the road. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it, and sorry again about that. (laughs) Don't you worry at all. Uh, Matt Devlin, uh, Devlin, voice of the Toronto Raptors, of course. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1 tonight, 8 p.m. Toronto at Chicago. Uh, We also have it on Sportsnet 590. The fam. We have about a minute here before we have to take a break and bring on Russell Martin. But he's talking about Scotty Barnes, and we saw today online uh, that the NBA Canada jersey sales were released. So this is Canada-wide. And the number one selling NBA jersey was Scotty Barnes. Uh, of course, if you're Toronto Raptors, uh, Grady Dick on there as well, number 15. Uh, Pascal Siakam, number four. But, you know, 
doesn't play for the Raptors anymore, but yeah, I, that's where they all came I, I from. I don't know. Did they all come? Are they all Pacers jerseys? Are they no, all Raptors no, jerseys? No, it's, it's the okay, first so, quarter of the season. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like, in another three months, if Barrett climbs mm-hmm. the I charts, if, if quickly does the same. I, I am a little disappointed in my fellow Canadians that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is as low as he is. Mm-hmm. What do we don't like baby blue here? He's number We're 11. baby blue. But my, my hot take is that by the end of this year or into this Olympics, he'll be top five seller in the NBA. Canada. NBA wide or Canada? Canada. He better be. But yeah. it might be more Raptors, too. Because yeah. there's more Raptors. It goes options. Scotty Barnes, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Pascal Siakam, Giannis. Like, that's a pretty tough top tough top five to crack into. We're still buying more LeBron jerseys than we are Shea jerseys yeah. up here, right? Eh? I mean, it's LeBron. We need, to, we need to own our own, if that I makes sense. Totally sense. agree. This is a call to go buy Shea jerseys. Or just get all the Canada jerseys. That's it. I love that. Uh, We will take a quick break on the other side. We'll be back on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan for the next hour and a half, we're going to chat with Russell Martin up next about our newest Toronto Blue Jay. All to come on the fan pregame. The best Blue Jay show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the fan pregame, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan, we're on for the next hour and a half. After this half hour, we move to Sportsnet 590. The fan, get you all set for Raptors and Bulls at 8 p.m. Uh, across the network. We're going to have Haley Salvian join us at 7 to go through a little PWHL and NHL look around. Both kind of on a break right now, uh, which is perfect time as the girls will be in town for the P- uh, PWHL three-on-three showcase. And then, of course, the NHL All-Star Week has already begun, but the real action begins Thursday night, so a jam-packed week, jam-packed show, and Russell Martin's going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, One more note on Justin Turner that I thought was interesting. Of course, everyone circles the age, right? 39 years old, what can you get from a guy who's 39 years old? Uh, Can you be a young 39? This is a better question for us, so we will ask him in a moment. But I was just looking at, you know, how many plate appearances, how many games? There's one player... Manny Machado, who's 31 years old, who's played more games, 44 more games than Justin Turner, which is interesting, right? 31, you're still in your prime. 39, well, we're thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe this is your last year being productive. Players with nearly as many at-bats as uh, Justin Turner, Nolan Arenado, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, all believed to be, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat young guys or guys who are at least in the primes of their career. And, of course, Justin Turner didn't get to the big leagues as early as Machado, Harper, Trout, Arenado. Does that matter, though? He's at 13 MLB seasons, which isn't like an astronomical amount. Five to six years maybe removed from his prime, but very productive last year. Does it matter that you didn't play in the big leagues as quick as others when we're talking about timelines and how productive you might be in your later years? Like wear and tear, minor leagues versus major leagues. Does it really matter? Mm-hmm. We'll ask Russ about, about that. It uh, looks like the Blue Jays actually just made the signing official, so this is not projected anymore. It is really happening. Uh, but their projected Blue Jays lineup would be uh, George Springer first, uh, Bichette second, Guerrero third, uh, this is the order, sorry, Turner fourth, uh, Varsho, Jansen slash Kirk, Biggio slash Schneider, Kiner Falefa seven, Kiermaier, uh, sorry, at nine. So it, there's still, still some slashes in there. We have a lot of utility players. <laughs> if you look at this lineup, um, 
looking like Chapman, of course, won't be coming back to the Blue Jays. This is your Brandon Belt-esque replacement with Justin Turner. Um, yeah, I saw something about Hunjin Ryu the other day. Kind of forgot that he might be moving on as well. Merrifield and Jordan Hicks. So when you look at the influx of new faces, some of them are returning faces uh, and those that are on the way out, like the scales are... You know, they're not tipping really in either direction. It's kind of the same. It is like last offseason. More talent out the door than talent brought in. And I, there's no real way to spin that. It puts a lot of pressure on what Ross Atkins said, internal improvement. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to look at one name, a lot of pressure on Dalton Varsho to be a guy who can hit in the middle of the order because, again, it looks yeah. like he's going to need to do that. All right, uh, Blue Jays with a new signing today. Uh, Let's chat with Russell Martin, of course, a former Blue Jay and was a teammate with Justin Turner at one point in the past. Russell, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Are you wearing a Cabot shirt? I am so jealous. Look at you go. That is a just off the course look. Oh, that's such a nice look. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's the Cabot uh, St. Lucia. Oh, the cat in in St. Lucia. I just got to play that the other day. Uh, Honestly, the nicest course I've ever been on and uh I, I recommend it to if anybody ever gets a chance to go out there it's totally worth it it's unbelievable i'm afraid to ask this question but we're 30 days into january have you played 30 rounds yet like Probably. what's the over under on rounds so far in january <laughs> as we slog through no sunshine here in toronto i uh it's you know it's pretty sunny out here in arizona but uh, i try to get out like three times a week um and you know i haven't made progress in a, in, i feel like in a year i'm just kind of I'm stuck in that like, this is my handicap, and and anything I do, it doesn't matter. Like it's 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 where it's at. I uh, I, I probably need to invest in a little bit and some lessons. <laughs> you know, I think I can figure out everything on my own, but clearly, clearly I can't. Don't we all? Uh, yeah, lessons probably seriously. better uh, taken in Arizona <laughs> than it is in a simulator up here in Toronto <laughs> right now. Okay, Justin Turner, newest Blue Jay. You played with him in 2019. Just give us like, what what makes the guy tick? What's Justin Turner all about to you? I mean, he's awesome teammate. First off, uh, I got nothing but good things to say about Justin Turner. He, uh, he, um, I played with him in, in 2019 with the Dodgers and I played against him a whole bunch and he was always a tough at bat, always a guy that was tough to pitch to. Um, but Justin Turner in a nutshell is a guy who is super prepared, super professional. Um, and, uh, IQ baseball IQ as high as it can be, honestly, he's, uh, he's going to be a great addition to the clubhouse. Um, just, a a guy that is, is just full of information, knows how to make a plan before he goes and has an at bat against any type of pitcher. Um, you know, really, you know, has a way of uh, an interesting way or an interesting approach to the game, just in, especially in hitting. Um, he talks a lot about just looking for pitches in a certain spot where, where pitches will make mistake with certain pitches. And those are the areas that he, he, he looks for and that he, that he attacks. Um, and uh, so, so I, I think he's going to be, not only is he a good player, but I think he's going to make other guys um, in the clubhouse better as well. So, mm-hmm. so you're, you, you get a lot of bang for your buck with Justin Turner. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I think I'm already sold <laughs> on this one. Um, no, I, 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 yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not understating understating anything. He he's he's like one of the one of the guys that impressed me the mo- most with his just his mind towards the game. So uh, you, you could know, be what, what you see on the field is just I, 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 <laughs> well. Um, I wish I was. <laughs> That's true. Making a little coin there. That's true. Uh, it's so funny you mentioned um, like that expertise, that leadership. Obviously, we know he's 39 years old, uh, but sometimes you could be 39 and not bring that. Like you could be at a different point in your baseball career where you've done it, and you know maybe you're not as invested in 
giving back to the younger players on the team or building that championship culture. And we had Bo Bichette on Blair and Barker a couple of days ago who mentioned uh, it's time to be grown. Uh, we're not a young team anymore. Like it's time to show what we have. Like it sounds like adding someone like Justin Turner is the type of guy to put that into motion and to say, yeah, you're younger, but it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm here with a veteran voice and I'm going to tie these pieces together. It seems like he's like maybe the perfect veteran voice leadership guy to, to make this thing work. I think he's a nice addition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everything you said definitely makes sense. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, you can be a young team and, 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 and have success and you can be an older team and have success. Um, it's, it's more, you know, does the team gel? Do they care about winning? You know, it, you know, what's, what's the vibe? Like, you know, what's the DNA of the team? You know, what's the culture within the team? And uh, I think he's not only is he, he going to mesh well with the culture that's already there, but I think he's even going to add to it. And um, and yeah, like the guys are not that young anymore. It's, it's not it should never be an excuse. But mm-hmm. now it isn't. They, they're they're seasoned now. They have a couple of years under their belt and um, they have a lot of talent. And, and I think that they can do big things. And, and I hope they do. So how, how hard and fast are the rules when it comes to age? You played till you're 36. You played in a more demanding position. He's 39 years old. I know not everyone is the same, but how hard is it when you're in your final couple years uh, to deal with the fact that you're just getting a little older? And how much of an impact would it be if, hey, he only played, he's only played 13 MLB seasons or parts of 13 MLB seasons. Uh, a guy I, like Manny sorry, Machado. Guys, I, 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 I got a little a little munchkin over here that wants to get some TV time. Oh, it's all good. Hey, Who's that? Daddy, daddy's. Hey. This is Eva. Hi there. Eva. You hey. play softball or baseball Give daddy yet? One second. Oh. Because I'm I'm doing an interview right we'll, now. We'll be quick. Eva. We'll, be, we'll quick. be quick. We'll she's, be like, quick. We she's like she's like what's an interview? <laughs> oh, she's so sweet. Uh, so yeah, so um, Matt, Russ, I was asking about you know yeah. he's 39 years old, but. Manny Machado's 31 has more plate appearances sure. in his career. So sure. can, can sure. D- does it matter? Like what matters the most when it comes to like the taxation of baseball? Is it all the seasons you played, all the games you've played? Is it major league seasons more importantly? Is it position? Like how do you decipher how age might affect a guy who's only played 13 MLB seasons? Uh, well, I mean, that, that's a case by case. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, there's so many things that come into play and factor into, you know, how, how somebody responds to, to getting older. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. <laughs> just, I'm like right behind her. Okay. <laughs> sorry. All right. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with the phone. Okay, walk and talk. Love walk and talk. Gonna, yeah. We'll get a tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to see the whole house. Mm. Um, so, you know, like some guys get banged up a lot, have a lot of injuries and, and, and find a way to, to, to rehab the proper way and, and come back. And other guys just don't respond as well. And, 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 you know, it depends each individual, you know, knows what they do behind closed doors and nobody's watching. And that's, that's really the only way that you can keep going in this game is if you're actually doing the work, the tedious work, the, the stuff that you need to do to, to keep your, your, your muscles tissue healthy. You need to eat right, get your mm-hmm. sleep, like all those things factor in. And, and, and somebody that takes care of all those things can, can continue to, to, to compete at a high level, you know, like guys in other sports, like Tom Brady, Tom Brady's 45 years old, but 
he was still doing it and, and he didn't look 45 years old. Um, so I'm, I'm obviously talking about the greatest of all time, but mm-hmm. like it, it just, you can perform at a high level when you're older, you know, and, and it's, uh, you just have to, you just have to be super professional. And, um, and, and Justin, you know, I have complete confidence that he does all those things. He, he he's, he's super smart about how he, he does everything really, you know, it's in, and, and you, you guys will discover that when, when you get to meet him a little bit more. Um, but you'll see he, he's as professional uh, a baseball player as I've ever seen. Uh, we won't keep you for too much longer, uh, Russ. We appreciate your time. Um, <laughs> you got any great Russ? Uh, any great Russell Martin stories? Any great um, Turner stories? You know, he's a menacing-looking guy. Like he is a bit intimidating, uh, but like uh, you know, anything funny or different from behind the scenes that you're allowed to share with uh, you know your daughter in the background and us on TV? <laughs> oh man! Right, right off the top, I can't really think of. of there's nothing that really jumps out <laughs> at me except that he's also been you know, he, he invests himself in the communities that he, that he's a part of, you know, and, and he's, uh, he's actually like a, a great talker. Like he, he can give, like, I think he's going to be, if he wants to be, he could be a, a pretty good manager one day. Um, just because he's just, he's got it, you know, he's got that thing where like he can explain what he's thinking. Um, if he's talking about hitting mechanics, he can make something that, you know, to, to a lot of people think that it's complicated and he, he can kind of simplify it for guys. Um, I, I was, I was just really impressed. I've never told him all this stuff. So like, it'll <laughs> we'll be awkward if this. you guys like, yeah, if you send him the video, like I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to his, uh, he's got a foundation golf tournament coming up in a couple of days and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to see him. And I, like, I, I need, I need a video. I need, I need to, I'm going to send him this video before I see him. So he can be like, he at least like, owes you, know, you like a beer. Or maybe, something. maybe he gives me those five, maybe he gives me those five footers. Forgive me when there I see go. him. You know? oh, I, I think he owes you that at the very least. Uh, one more, at least for me, uh, before we let you go, Russ, I got to ask you about the Dodgers. Spend some time with the mm. Dodgers. Clearly some great years with the Dodgers. They land Shohei Otani this off season. They go out and get Tyler Glass. Now they just, Hmm. seem to be forming something of a super team. Uh, do you see super team potential there? Uh, and are you cool with super teams? Uh, super team. I don't know. I, like they're, they're, they're getting guys that are proven uh, with lots of talent. Um, but, you know, you got to stay, you got to stay healthy. You got to stay on the field. And, you know, is Otani, is he going to pitch? Like, is he, mm. you know, what's the deal with him? Is he just going to hit? Obviously, he bolsters the, the, the lineup tremendously. Um, and that lineup is as good of a lineup as ever seen in the history of the game of baseball, right? But, um, you know, it's, it's baseball's, you, you never know. Like, it, just because you have the best team on paper doesn't mean that you end up winning the last game of the season, you know, in October. So, um there's going to be other good teams out there and, and, and at the, the highest level, any team can beat anybody. There's, there's never, you know, and, and, and you have to get to the postseason. Like there's, there's no automatics in baseball there. There's just because they have the best team on paper does not mean that they're going to win the world series. Um, I like their chances. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think they're going to be in the mix there. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you can't, you can't buy, you can't buy a championship. You got to go out there and work for it. And, and, and all those guys need to compete at, at, at their best of, of their ability or else, you know, somebody else will, will do it. 
Yeah, they'll have uh, yeah, a, a target on their back specifically <laughs> this year because uh, they got all the big names and they went out and swung for the fences. So it'll be a, a very interesting year ahead. Well, we appreciate your time, Russ. Uh, really great to catch up. Have so much fun out on the course because we are super jealous. Uh, <laughs> and we'll send this to Justin Turner so he knows that, you know, you get a couple gimmies, a couple mulligans because you did such a great job hyping him up. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate y'all thanks all so right. much take care russell all right martin. have a good one yes uh thanks so much russell martin of course a uh, former blue jay and uh lengthy career in mlb that was really fun yeah Very if, da- cute. if dad spends most of the day at the golf course like he you're owed some time if you're Ava, right did you you're see owed that one point time. jumping on the table behind him yeah she she found a way very a uh, test us to be professional her resolve was uh was pretty impressive that was there. a big moment for her it was all over the tvs uh that was sweet no i mean Everything you just said about Justin Turner is what we're getting the consensus of when you, you know, you see snippets, everyone's writing articles about Justin Turner. You're starting to understand who he is off the field. Like, I don't think it's lost on me that, and I I wonder for you, like, even if it's 5% or maybe it was just a a look in the future, but Bo called his name in the podcast with Blair and Barker last Mm -hmm. week when they said, like, who, you know, who do you want or what would bolster this lineup? And he said Justin Turner's name. He didn't mention many names. I think it was two or three. And, yeah. you know, a couple of days later, he's a part of this roster. And I'm not to say that, you know, Bo Bichette called Ross Atkins and said, I want Justin Turner. But it does seem to me like Bo Bichette is taking a bigger leadership approach, is trying to take a little bit of ownership on this. Every word he said to Blair and Barker was very, you know, intentional. And I don't think you throw names into the abyss without even an understanding that they would fit on your team, that you'd want to play with that person and that maybe your team is already looking at acquiring Justin Turner. So I just think the timeliness of it isn't lost on me. And even if Bo Bichette is like, you know, hinting to staff members, players that he would want to play with to make this team a contender, like I I think it's a smart move regardless. But even if there was a 10% factor that Bo Bichette said his name, I I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, if it's fractional, whatever. Mm -hmm. It it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, But what Bo Bichette does know is what the team needs. And the team needs an offensive punch. The team probably needs leadership. And Justin Turner can provide those things. Like, if if you're canvassing anyone's opinion... Bo Bichette is at the top of my list in terms of opinion yep. on what this Blue Jays team needs. And he mentioned a couple names, and they're not going to go out and shop and get every single <laughs> one of those players. But they did get one, uh, and I think it was already – I don't think it was this novel idea that Bo Bichette came up with. However, uh, I think there is some influence there, and I hope that was the message in exit meetings from a guy like Bo Bichette who means so much, hey – we need more offense. We need more leadership. We're not at this point capable of doing it ourselves, or at mm-hmm. least it seems. And again, I don't think they've done enough to really change anything. However, if you're banking on internal improvement, bringing a guy in who can sort of show you the things, yeah. or at least lead by example in ways that could have some of that fractional impact or improvement or impact that leads to improvement, hey, that's definitely a good thing, but I think Bo Bichette said several names for a reason because this team's probably several names away from Definitely. being able to check off all the boxes of a World Series winner. Yeah, I don't think that you're looking at this roster if you're another AL East team or another team in, you know, across the MLB that's saying, ooh, that's a massive threat. Like, I, when they do the preseason mm-hmm. predictions, and I don't think we're really there at that point because there's still things to be added like the blue jays were world series favorites or co-favorites on almost every book last year they should not even be in the top 
I don't know, four, in my opinion, top six. Like, I just, even AL East teams all seem to have gotten better, right? The Yankees were bad last year. Uh, well, they went out and they addressed that. So I think it is going to be a lot of patience maybe and hopeful, hopeful internal development for this Blue Jays team. Well, I think hopeful is is unfortunately the operative word yeah. here. I mean, again, we can go through the projected lineup. Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Turner, Varsho. Uh, that's the top five. That's the meat of the order. That's at least, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who you're sending out there, running out there with the most confidence. Springer's another year older. Bo Bichette, no questions mm-hmm. there. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has so much to prove this year. Like, uh, not career on the line, but... He's on MLB his, The Show. His place in the game... His face. His place in the game, honestly, is somewhat on the line mm. this year, it seems. Justin Turner's 39 years old, and we're talking about batting cleanup. Mm-hmm. Dalton Varsho was miscast last year as a middle-of-the-order guy. He's back there. Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, you can kind of expect them to be in that level. Uh, Biggio, Schneider, Kiner, Falefa, if they're taking up two of those spots mm-hmm. in your order every night... It's a bit hopeful. And then Kevin Kiermeyer, who wanted to be the most productive nine hitter in the game, that's great as a nine hitter, mm-hmm. but they need more than productive nine hitters in this group. In, Turner, and Kiner Falefa, out, Chapman, who has potential, didn't show it last year, Belt, Merrifield, and then on the back end, or in the, at least in terms of pitching, Hunjin Ryu and Jordan Hicks. This team has lost talent. This team is still hoping for Dalton Varsho to turn out. And I, I think they're banking on a lot that is not promised. And again, a lot that Justin Turner can't provide simply through intangible and the way he operates on a day-to-day rubbing off on other people. Most definitely. It does feel like, as Ben Nicholson-Smith said earlier today on Sportsman 590, the fan, that thinks that this is it uh, in terms of big moves. So get ready for a little bit of a lengthy crawl to spring training and first uh, official games. Uh, Let's take a look at some best bets before we take a break as well. So mine comes from Raptors and Bulls, which is about an hour away still. And, of course, we'll have that on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan at 8 p.m. I'm sorry, but I am going against the Toronto Raptors. Wow, uh, that's a... Confirmation that's that Jakob Pertle quickly... Uncharacteristic. Pertle quickly and Barrett are all out tonight. They are on a five-game losing streak. They're playing the Bulls and DeMar DeRozan. And I think that he has a little bit of a revenge night. Not Nothing too spicy. I'm going to go DeMar, 30-plus points, and the Bulls to win, which is plus 330. Uh, I'm considering any NBA pick at this point, uh, at least somewhat. Uh, you, you got some, because I don't have it. What are I you just, trying to say? I just, like, I'm not even going to wade in those waters. Okay. Because I can't do anything from an NBA standpoint, so kudos to you I'll for try my best. wading into There's the NBA There's one hockey waters. game on every night for the next... I know, and I'm, I'm kind of lost, tough. so it's I'm making my slang. own rules here because I don't want to bet the NBA, and we only have one NHL game. So I'm just going to give a Super Bowl prop a day, I think, until well, the That's very fun. And that's just to you know keep myself occupied. So I'm going with a field goal of 60-plus <laughs> yards so at 40-1 to one in the game. Honestly, I think this is a great bet. 40 to 1. Yeah. We see 60-yard field goals all the time now. And I know the San Francisco kicker is uh, nothing to write home about. However. It's the Super Bowl. Harrison Butker mm-hmm. is a weapon. Harrison is. Butker is one of the best and most clutch field goal kickers in the NFL. If he gets a chance from 60 yards out, I'm cashing this bet already. 40 okay. to 1. I think it's going to happen. I think a lot of the offense is going to be stymied around midfield. You've got a brilliant defense with the Kansas City Chiefs. And you've got a 49ers uh, defense that is definitely uh, can be had in a lot of situations. However, 
there are drops aplenty with this Kansas mm-hmm, City Chiefs mm-hmm. team. They haven't been lighting it up offensively in any material way. If a lot of drives get stalled around the 40s, I think we got chances to hit 60-yard field goals in this game. 40-1 to one field goal of 60-plus yards made in the Super Bowl 58. The best part about the Super Bowl, uh, besides the food, is the fun prop bets. Last year, we did a prop bet that we opened up to the fan morning show listeners. I think we have to do it again. It was so much fun. We just had like a Google Drive, a Google form. You want to tell the story? I guess I could tell the story. Uh, a Google form where you could submit your picks and, you know, it was Ailish versus Justin at one point in it. You could pick who was going to win. Anyway, Justin and I challenged each other and I did win the prop bets. Is that when you had to build a snowman? No. This is when you lost the bet to me around $200. Oh, the, oh yeah. Remember but the that ring was around one, but the rosy. Hold on. That was one specific bet within the larger bet, which was... Okay. I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly what the punishment... I definitely it lost was, it. It was the snowman. I lost the war, but I think I won the battle. Yes. So you can explain that part. Okay. So w- there was obviously in, in last year's Super Bowl. And last year, there was a little ring around the rosy play with the Kansas City Chiefs. So ridiculous. And I suggested in the prop sheet, hey, let's do ring around the rosy. Will there be one yes or no? Just like a, just for giggles, really, (laughs) in the prop sheet. Maybe someone will say yes, and that'll be the advantage they need if, in fact, we see one. You you said no, that was an awful idea. I did say that. I will give you $200 if there's a ring around the rosy play in the Super Bowl, and behold, I don't know which quarter it was, but it was the best part of the game for me. Because Patrick Mahomes calls the ring around the rosy. They circle around the quarterback before they play. And I think they actually picked up a first down with the ring around the rosy play. I'm still waiting for I the couldn't $200. couldn't believe my eyes. But that's okay. I'll you know when you say stuff it. like, oh, I'll, I'll give you a million dollars if this happens. Yeah, but that's, it wasn't a million dollars. It was something like. It was 200 Very clearly it just that was you could have given. I, an obscure amount that like, obviously I'm not going to give you $200. That's ridiculous. If it was twenty bucks, I give you twenty bucks. But I think it's weird to ask your coworker. I didn't ask you. You said you'd get. But it. then, if you followed up on it, like it's it's kind of it's kind of cringy, Justin. Just I didn't get to. You're not getting any money. I know I'm not. Like two hundred dollars was like a, a weird amount that like obviously I'm not going to give you two hundred bucks. More satisfaction. I would have given you twenty bucks. To hold this over your head. Or I would have owed the end you of time. a million bucks. But two hundred was just a strange number that I threw out there, and that's why you'll never get it. I know. Well, we'll do it again I'll this year, forever. and you know what? For you, we'll put ring around the rosy on there. I don't think they've done it this year. And I'll give you a million bucks if someone ring around the Rosies, okay? You heard it here first. Sounds like a bet. Uh Uh-oh. All right, we'll be back on uh, Sportsnet 590 The Fan in about five minutes. We have Haley Salvian joining us to do a little PWHL and a little NHL at the break. That's all next on Fan Pregame. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Pregame Sportsnet 590. The Fan for the next hour, uh, we're recapping the P Dub start. We're looking around NHL at the break. If you missed the first hour, it'll be up on our podcast. We talked to Matt Devlin, Russell Martin um, about all things NBA, MLB, and we might as well, you know, round all the bases with a little hockey talk. Uh, we're bringing in Haley Salvian, of course, of the Athletic. How's it going, Haley? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? We're excited. Uh, big week, exciting week. What's your like? What's the buzz around the Salvian lifestyle? <laughs> you just ripping around to, to events, like you just the buzz sh- around the are Salvian lifestyle, or what? Oh my god! Um, I was looking at the so 
just a peek behind the curtain. I thought that like I didn't get my credential yet. And I was like buzzing around being like, what's going on? The event's in like two days. Like, where is this? And then I, you know, eventually spoke to my editor and she was like, they sent an email like (laughs) 10 days ago. And Uh I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? So that was fun. I thought, you know, that I was forgotten about, Mm. but really I just don't read my emails. So I was going through that. Um, schedule events today and felt very overwhelmed. There's a lot going on. There is. Um, yeah. I was like, I think I have to go to the mall. Like, I don't have any. I don't have anything to wear. Yeah, it's um, a lot of appearances. It's in, a lot of angst you, leading you into you the. You can't uh, wear the same getting, stuff NHL every day. <laughs> I'm getting like really stressed out, um, <laughs> but super excited at the same time so because we've like, got the CBC broadcast on. Saturday as well. So it's like rip around all-star, but then also, you know, go and broadcast the Toronto Minnesota game and then rip around all-star some more. I'm really just going on Saturday to see Tate McRae. Are you a Tate guy? I I like her. Yeah. She's, it's an interesting pick. We were talking about it before all-star and I told the guys here at the show, I'm like, it's going to be Tate McRae. All three of them are like, who's Tate McRae? I'm like, trust me. I've seen the NHL posting about her more and more. Like, yeah. yeah, never have they ever posted a celebrity more than once. And she was on every social media page and followed her around at games. So I kind of yeah. manifested it and I was right. Oh, but boy. she's just new in my, you know, my recently played. I can't say that I'm like a stan yet, but, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Love that for you. But yeah, um, the buzz is just like a little bit of stress. Um, yeah. I feel like it's it shouldn't be more stressful because it's in your city, but it is. Like, it, does that make any sense? Like, you just get on a plane totally. and you just deal with whatever comes your way. But if you're home, you got to deal with like the things associated with being home, I suppose. So, a little totally. extra layer for us covering uh, the NHL All Star Game and, and the PWHL, of course, this weekend. Okay, let's let's get to the PWHL. Uh, we're 22 games in. Uh, what's like the big takeaway for you? Like, what is the thing? Cause there was a lot of excitement early, obviously. Now we're into the season. We're figuring out which teams are legit, which teams have some issues, which players are, are standing out and which players maybe are not having the impact you expected. But now that we're into this thing, what's, what's the primary takeaway for you? Uh, it's a good question. I feel like one of the biggest takeaways I've had is, how close most of these games have been you know there's been a few like three nothing five one four one games but there's been a lot of three two hockey games a lot of two one hockey games four three um so I think how close uh, all these games have been has been a huge takeaway so far I think the parity in this league like we knew there was going to be a ton of it just because uh, it's only six teams all of the best players in the world say for some of the Europeans Uh, and obviously elite college talent are in this league. So every team's going to be good um, in in one way or another. So I've been really happy with just how competitive things have been. I think obviously some of these games, a lot of these games have been pretty low scoring. There's a lot of discourse online about, um, you know, what's going on there. Like, should we look at, you know, what rules or what changes should be made? And I think, um, more than anything, I think the low-scoring games have really been a testament to the elite goaltending in this league. Like, that has been, you know, one of the biggest, like, bright spots. And, I mean, it, I guess it's not a bright spot if you're someone who wants to watch a game be, like, 6-5 or whatever. But, you know, most of the starting goalies are, like, if you look at the top, it's tough because if you take out, like, 
it sounds bad. If you take out Kristen Campbell, all of these goalies, all the starting goalies are at 920 or higher. Mm-hmm. Like Toronto starter is the only goalie that is not at a 920 save percentage through the first month of the season. Like it's crazy. Like Nicole Hensley's at just under a 950, mm-hmm. Kareen Schroeder just under 950, Anne Renee Debien 930, Aaron Frankel 925, Emmerich Smashmeyer 923. Like these goalies are elite. Uh, and one of them, Emirates, has like a point in one of these games too. So I think goaltending and how great they've been has been really impressive. Even the backup goalies, um, Abby Levy has been playing really well for New York. Maddie Rooney had a couple great games for Minnesota. She had uh, one kind of iffy game that took her save percentage and, and goals against average down a little bit. But Elaine Chuli mm-hmm. comes in uh, and plays a game and saves, makes 45 saves. Uh, in a game last week, it's the most saves that the goalies made in the league so far. So that's been a big one. Like when I look at why these games are low scoring, it's not for lack of talent on the offensive end. Cause again, like some of these teams are putting 45 shots on net, 43 shots, 42 shots. Um, it's just the goalies have been incredible. So that's been a huge takeaway for me so far. Yeah. We do a bet, uh, betting segment on our show every day. And I've been telling people just bet the unders, bet the unders. And they started at six and a half. Now they've moved to four and a half and it's still like most of the time you should still bet the unders. Like it does make that, it feels like those Canada, USA gold medal games where it's so tight. Three, two in overtime. Yeah. Like a three, two in overtime, like every single (laughs) shot matters. And you know, sometimes like obviously I've been to a couple games here in Toronto. Like you're like, I want it to be five, four, but at the same time, it's like edge of your seat when it's like these goaltenders are so, so good. So it's definitely Mm -hmm. something that I think a lot of people have, you know, uh, talked about being surprised at how low scoring the games is, but that's, yeah, you're right. It's not a test. It's a testament to the goaltending and not, you know, a shot at the uh, offensive production. Uh, oh, you mentioned Toronto and I think it's a good point uh, to pause on for a second mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people <laughs> saw the way the roster was constructed, a lot of big names, a, a lot of pretty familiar faces, but you know, they're obviously our local team. We've seen them quite a lot. Every time I go, it feels like they haven't really played any games together. They look really like yeah. discombobulated. They obviously they they've had a little bit of a weaker goaltending, but it's not even that. It just it feels like a little bit of like a disconnect. Um, I, I wonder for you, like what removing goaltending, what yeah. needs to change in terms of getting this team on the right track? Obviously, hasn't been a, a, a beautiful start for them. Lots of hockey to be played left, but they have high aspirations. They have some big names and a lot of girls going to the national team camps uh, mm-hmm. in the next little bit. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems with Toronto is they have a lot of players who are like the skilled grinder, mm-hmm. and that's great, and that works really well when the skilled grinder is with like in a dynamic offensive talent. And I think that was a problem with Toronto after their draft is you kind of watch the draft and you go, okay, like I like this roster. Like I, I would tell people on team Canada, my favorite players like Blair Turnbull, Emily Clark, like I love the mm-hmm. skilled grinder. That's one of my favorites. That's why I was your favorite, right? Right. Ailish well, Forfar, incredible <laughs> chef's kiss. Go Thunder. Uh, um, go green. I yes. love Dartmouth women's hockey. Um, <laughs> Totally. Um, but I think that's one of the things that we looked at with um, with Toronto after the draft was there's a lot of players that we really like on this team, but like, do they have enough top end offensive skill? And that is not to discredit Sarah Nurse, who we know had the Olympic record in, in 2022, right? That's not to discredit Blair Turnbull, who is one of my favorite players. But again, like when you look at Toronto and you look at other teams, like, and when you just watch them play, 
they don't have that one player who can take over the game with their offensive talent. They don't necessarily have that player that can drive play on a night-to-night, shift-by-shift basis, right? Like, and I think when you watch them, one of the biggest problems with that team is their breakout. I think sometimes it seems like they struggle in the neutral zone. They struggle to get out of their own zone. Like Jocelyn the Rock and Renata Fast are two of the best defenders. It's the best D pair in women's hockey. They've struggled this season. I know plus-minus isn't everything, and I don't, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but last I checked, I think they were like a dash nine, um, and that's not what you would have expected from their top pair and I think goaltending goes into that too but it's also they're not getting pucks out of the zone and they're not generating enough on offense um to to kind of sway that in the other direction so I think there's a few things that I've noticed with Toronto but yeah I think the breakout and I think that like play driving has been the biggest thing for me like that has been left to be desired I think if Toronto is going to be successful everyone just needs to take a page from Nat Spooner's book and that's just like simplify I think that's a big thing. Like just drive to the net. Like not everything needs to be super fancy. Just drive the net hard. Go like North South, you know, I think Spooner's probably been the most impressive player and most consistently um, impactful player. And that's not just because she's leading the team in goals. She's third in the league in goals right now too. But I just think the way that she plays, um, that's kind of how Toronto needs to play to be successful, which is, you know, keep the puck on your stick, drive the net hard and keep it simple. And I just don't think we've seen that. And that's how Troy Ryan coaches. That's how we saw Team Canada win a gold medal at World Championships in Denmark, right? They they set a bunch of offensive records in, in Beijing and then they went to Denmark at World Championships and just played like a gritty, fast um, offensive game that they kept things simple and they won a gold medal. And I feel like... Toronto kind of needs to take a take a page from that book, which is how Troy Ryan likes to coach. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Do they do they pick the team that befits the coach? Is there some weird definitely uh, like yeah, like I don't know Troy Ryan enough to like formulate an opinion, but that's you know, a Troy Ryan roster. That's a Troy Ryan roster. It is a Troy Ryan, and so roster. it's weird. That, Should they like, have a Troy working. Ryan roster when you're trying to you know? I don't know. I, again, I don't know what the intentions are, but like yeah. if it's to be as safe as possible, if it's to build the team that's going to try to win two one. I don't know. Maybe there's something faulty uh, about that. I think if you're thinking. trying to win 2-1 and your goalie has a sub-900 save percentage, that's a big it's gonna problem. It's going to be tough, right? It's going to be yeah. tough. Uh, and that really might be the difference so far with the one underperforming goaltender versus, as you mentioned, goaltenders yeah. that are up around 930 uh, to start the year. Uh, that could be the difference, really, between Toronto and the best team and the P-dub right now, as we're calling it on the show. Um, nice. But what's the <laughs> diametric opposite to Toronto? Like, who's doing it right right now for you? Spooner. Like who's doing it right? I mean, in terms of a team. Oh, a team. I was like, probably. I just said that. I just don't understand. Um, it's a bad it's question. 7 p.m. I'm like, oh, no, it's not a bad question. I used to complain when you guys were on at 6, and now I'm complaining that you're on at like 7. What time would you like? Noon? Jeff Merrick? Yeah. We, we're not, we don't have like, banker hours here. Yeah, sorry we're on Jeff Merrick, Haley. We're trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the only one I say uh, yes to anymore, apparently. Um, who's the? I think the best team in the league right now is Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota and Montreal, I would say, and they're both tied for first in points right now. So, you know, it's not some crazy shock. But I really like watching Minnesota play. I think, I think if you were trying to introduce somebody to pro women's hockey and you wanted them to say, like, ooh, yeah, this is fun, I would tell them to go watch a Minnesota game. I like the way that that team is coached. I like the way that that team plays. Um, I had a great conversation 
uh, with Ken Klee, their head coach, who, you know, started seven days before their yeah, first game. Crazy. And he based, it's wild. And he walked in and he changed everything. Like he, he gave them a booklet and just said, like, here's the playbook. This is how we're playing. Here's the new lines. This is how I imagine things. And they had seven days to get it together. And it took them six games to lose in regulation. They still only have one regulation loss. Um, I really just I appreciate the way that he views the game. Like, he's somebody who, you know, he looks at it as, like, the teams that win are going to be the teams that have their, the puck on their stick all the time. They play fast. They're highly skilled. Um, and I just think that's a really – it's a recipe for success, obviously, but it's also just fun hockey to watch, right? Like, Taylor Heisey's been unbelievable. Andy Petrillo um, on one of the broadcasts shared a story. She was at the gym, and a couple guys – went up to her because they recognized her. And there was just like, man, I saw those Heisey highlights. Like, mm. that's sick. Like, I'm going to watch now because of her, because the plays that she makes, like, it's not, that's not like a good women's hockey play. It's just like a good hockey play. It's a good highlight. And I think people are really gravitating to that team and some of those players because the skill sets that they have. And, um, you know, there's obviously some things that work well for Minnesota. I, I mentioned Nicole Hensley in terms of starting goalies in this league. She has the best save percentage. And goals against average right now, the team also has the top goal scorer, the best goal differential, and three of the top ten players in league scoring when we're talking about uh, Zemwinkle, Heisey, and, and Kelly Panic. Um, so there's just a lot to like. They've got depth. Um, one of their players came off the reserve list, Abby Boreen, and scored the game-winning goal on Sunday. Um, I just I really like the, the roster that Natalie Darwitz put together, and I like the way that Ken Klee is, is coaching that team as well. So the PWHL is going to have their moment uh, Thursday night with the three-on-three showcase, uh, 20 minutes, uh, Team Kloss, Team King. Uh, you've had a chance to look at these two rosters. I'm obviously partial to Kloss because I'm going to be uh, a little bit closer with those girls, but there's an opportunity to see Hillary Knight and Poulin on the same team on Billie Jean King team, uh, which is pretty yeah, awesome fun. as well. So you look at the way that these uh, rosters are structure, structured. Wow. Um, which one do you think uh, comes out on top? We're both having a hard day. Yeah, we've already been on the air for an hour, and at this point it's just like we don't usually be talking this late, so mind is a mess. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what? I do really like Team Kloss. I think they have um, a lot of players who would be good in like a three-on-three format specifically. Um, Alex Carpenter, like she's got mm-hmm. such a, a weapon of a shot, um, and she's deceptively very quick, so I think in a three-on-three format she's going to be really dangerous because – She's going to catch you on your on your heels and and yeah she's just she can score on anybody and taylor heisey's on that team as well and i just talked about her i mean she the way that she those two goals that she scored against toronto a few weeks ago like they're still goal of the year candidates and that was like in five on five even strength and they were gross so i can't imagine what she's going to do in three on three but i really like team king um because of mary philippe poulin because of Megan Keller, like one of the best offensive defenders um, to do it and to play in college as well. And Renee Debian's a brick wall, so she's going to be tough to beat, um, even in a three-on-three. And Alina Mueller also, like she's been on a heater in the league right now, and I'm really excited for somebody like her to be on on the platform that she's going to be at All-Star. Like she's a player who gets the platform at the Olympics and World Championships, of course, with with the Swiss team, um, but she's one of the best players ever to, to play in college. She's so offensively dynamic. She's got great hands. She's so smart, uh, and she's playing really well right now. And, again, like she's got 
I think every single one of her points in the PWHL right now is even strength point. They're all primary except for two. So she's either scoring the goal or making that pass that ends up in the back of the net. Um, so she's someone who I'm really excited to see because um, when you give her time and space, she's just unbelievable. And I'm excited for somebody like her who isn't maybe a household name yet in North America or in Canada to, to kind of make that name for herself when given the platform. Putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there a PWHL all-star snub? Yeah, Grace Sumwinkle. Mm. Where oh. is she? Where is Natalie Spooner? And I think, to be fair... Mm-hmm. these rosters were picked before the season even started. Like they were announced on January 15th, the PWHL picked them. And this was mostly, I mean, it wasn't mostly, this was 17 of the 18 uh, free agent signings. Mm-hmm. And then the first six draft picks. So Mike Zandy Hart didn't get included because she was still out. Uh, she's back now. So that kind of sucks for her, honestly, like she's does. back and she's not going like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I think there's some snubs when we look at the, the stat sheet for for sure. I think Grace Sumwinkle, as I mentioned, she's got six goals. Uh, that's tied with Poulin for the for the lead, um, and she's only one point back of the league lead in points behind Carpenter and Mueller. So she's a big one. Um, Nat Spooner, she's third in goals. She's not there, um, and I also think that's a bit of a whiff because, like we know, like people love her. Like one of the most like marketable, beloved athletes when we're talking about women's hockey in this country, in this city. So I think Spooner is a big, is a big hole as well. But yeah, I would say Zemlinkel and Spooner are the big two for me. Okay, let's pivot to the NHL uh, before we let you go, Haley. Uh, we could, we, uh, I mean, we could, <laughs> we could stay. We could stay no, no, no. if you I'm want. joking, do it. We, we got we to gotta get no, no, a couple no. in. We got to get that a couple a joke. in. Um, okay, so there's, you know, there's a, there's a bevy of storylines here uh, for Canadian teams at this unofficial break and this pause in the season. Is there a team that is like most front and center for you when thinking about, hey, what the next five weeks look like, what the rest of the season look like? Obviously, the Oilers are on an incredible run. The Leafs are never short on drama. But is there someone who stands out to you or some team that stands out to you as of particular interest uh, at this point in time? Uh, I feel like it's a good question. Um, and it's, a, it's hard because I think there's a lot of them. I do think the Oilers are very interesting because they could match the second longest winning streak in NHL history with a 16th win when they come back from the break. So that's obviously providing some intrigue, but I'm also really curious, like what is that team going to look like once things slow down? Like we're not expecting this team to just never lose until the end of the season. Right. So I, you know, based on how bad the first uh, few weeks of the season went and based on what's going on right now like I'm very curious to see like who are the Oilers when things aren't you know on fire and and I guess both both ways on fire in a bad way and on fire in a good way um so that's something that I'm I'm really intrigued to see um I think the Leafs are interesting too like not just to rip off the two teams that you brought up but like I'm curious, like, are they going to be active at the deadline? Are they going to say, like, we're not going to use a bunch of assets because we're just not good enough this year? Like, I think the Leafs have told us through the first 47 games that they're, like, just kind of mid, uh, for lack of a better term, right? And, like, do you spend on a team like that because of contract situations and, and the core group being together still? Or do you just kind of say, like, we'll do what we can with the group we have and, and save our assets for a year when we're better? Like, I'm very curious to see 
um, which way Brad Tree Living goes. Because I know in Calgary, he's always, he was always like, you know, I take my cues from my team. And I think if you're Brad Tree Living and you're still, um, you know, going about things that way, like what cue is this Leafs team giving you right now? Probably that they're not good enough to win. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does with that. Um, I'm always watching the Panthers. I think they're the most fun team to watch in the league right now. Like they're high, high on my watchability rankings. Like I don't think there's anything particularly like specifically interesting that I'm watching for. I just like watching the Panthers. Um, I think the Jets and the Kings are interesting. Like I've been on the Jets wagon. Um, I think that team is much improved. I've been pretty consistent in saying that they're, you know, they've been one of my favorite stories to follow this season just because they went from, you know, a potential mass exodus to at one point they were the number one team in the NHL. Um, but the Kings are interesting because they've just, you know, obviously they stopped the skid a little bit, but things just looked really bad there after a really promising start. So I'd like to see what happens with the Kings and, and with the Jets specifically. They were very good in the first half of the season last year and then completely fell off a cliff in the second half. So I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to get burned by Winnipeg again this year. Uh, that would be devastating. Um, in the I think the Flames are a team to keep an eye out for too. You know, I keep getting asked, obviously, because I covered the team, like, are they What's selling Calgary or buying or what? I think they should sell. I yes. think they should sell. Like, and that has not changed. I've been pretty consistent in that. Like, I'm I'm sure I've said it to you guys. I've said it to Jeff. I've said it to JD. Um, whoever's asked me this question because I covered the Flames. It's like whether they're playing poorly, whether they're on a win streak, whether things look a little bit better. Like, I don't care. I honestly think that they should just sell their unrestricted free agents mm. and take a step back and retool because, like, what are you going to do? You're going to be a buyer just to maybe make the playoffs just to lose in the first round and pick 13th overall again. Like that mm -hmm. clearly hasn't worked for this organization over the last few years. And I just think that they need to take a step back, retool a bit and build around a younger core because like, it's just, it's just not working. So, but we'll see. One last quick one for you. Was your Stanley cup uh, pick the Dallas stars? Yes. I, would you like an opportunity at the you know midway point to amend that or to so, double she down? She sounded or, like she wanted to amend yeah, it. it. I heard no, that. I love the stars. Okay. Okay. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, no, just well, oh, giving you the opportunity. Yes. Just giving you the chance, um, Haley, because this is your last <laughs> chance, you know? You get to, it's like a free square. Nope, you want to keep going. Like, you know, what gives you confidence? Everything's in you concrete at this point. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, was that that one, like, meme? It's like, what gave you the confidence? I don't know, delusion? Yeah, that's all right. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's not delusion. Their top nine is really fun um you know and they're playing really well despite the fact that jake ottinger's been like human compared to what we've seen him do the last year so i'm not like moving away from the stars yet i think um conventional wisdom at this point in the season would say that the oilers are probably the cup favorite um based on the way that they're playing right now but again i'd like to see what the real oilers look like not just 16 game win streak edmonton looks like so if you ask me in two weeks I'll probably still say Dallas. Okay, good. Um, like, I don't want to pick the Avs because, like, you know, McKinnon's unbelievable. I think he should be the MVP. Like, he's so fun to watch, but, like, their depth is not good enough. Um, like, Georgiev is a sub-900 goalie, too. I don't think I'm going to pick the Canucks because I don't think they would beat the Oilers. Like, that's – uh, I don't know. I'm sticking with the Stars, but, like, I don't know. Ask me in a few weeks, and I'll probably still say the Stars, but they'll, like, ramble a bit 
to get to that point. Um, well, you know what? We're going to see a bunch of stars in the next couple of days, including you at the rink, I'm sure, oh, in the next little bit. Um, all right, Haley, well, thanks for jumping on. I'm sorry that it was not noon, but we did our best to, <laughs> to fit you into business hours here. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I like. I think I'm just a little grumpy because I didn't make dinner. Like, I just miscalculated. I was like, I'll eat after. Yeah, you're hangry. I, that's my, yeah, my probably my sorry. weakest like perspective of myself is like, I get so hangry and like, yeah. I really am torturous to be around so we'll let you go yeah. Haley get some dinner um, we'll see you in a couple days appreciate your time as always and enjoy okay, all-star guys. week girl yeah I'm gonna be following you around okay I perfect. get social anxiety we'll so have fun. see you there <laughs> okay <laughs> Haley Salvian of the Athletic of course covering the NHL and the PWHL uh, I, yeah. I was thinking we we see what Haley's doing and we can kind of figure out exactly you know, where she, to go she did text me today and invited me to be her plus one at an event that's what I'm saying I, I'm sure I can tell you. It's just it's a Bauer yeah. hockey event. It's not a big deal. It's not like uh, Justin Bieber. It's probably not a big event. It's, yeah, it's no, or a big deal. It's sorry. not. It's not. It's probably a huge event. It's, you should go. No, it's it's at like 1 p.m. in the daytime. It's not some sort of nighttime event. I think it's like you come in, maybe you check their new stuff out. Anyway, I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. Maybe get myself some new Some sticks. new wheels. Because I'm still using my college stuff. Like, I will not, until it falls apart at the seams and is duct taped, I'm not buying new stuff. You better bring like a suitcase or something. I'm going to schmooze my way into, you know, some wheels or a stick. Right? Then you should definitely go. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm going to have the same success. So, like, I, I know that that is one event I'm going to. seriously, I would to. bring, like, multiple tote bags. Yeah, I'm going to try my best. Yeah. So she got me that plus one. Um, but, you know, All-Star Week is, there's, apparently there's all, there's, like, events and parties, but I haven't heard anything. And we haven't no, been we, invited uh, need, to like, anything. No, we need, a schedule of events, at least in the NHL stuff. I'm, like, I, I know, if it's an NHL event... There's going to be free food somewhere, and I will take that's advantage all you of that. Want. But that's the only, I mean, that's, I don't get into, I'm not getting into these parties. Swag or food? I'm not getting into We're either, good. I'm not getting into anything except Scotiabank Arena. Mm-hmm. And I expect there to be food in there. So Thursday night, uh, Thursday's a jam-packed day. Starts with the NHL player draft, which we're going to talk about on the other side of the break because you can. There's betting odds for who will be the first pick and the last pick, mm-hmm. and um, which and you've is, got a theory on this. I one. have a theory, and I will present it. Um, then there will be the 1967 Man of the Year. I, do you think this is going to haunt Toronto forever? That they're honoring the last team to ever win the Stanley Cup at their All Star? I think it's going to be the source of. It's going to be like a statute of limitations on these things. Like, it's too... No, no, this is going to be over the top. The amount of content that's going to come out of that where it's like... It's hard to connect. It's so long ago. It's It's hard to connect to to that. A billion years ago, but it's the last thing that they had, and they're honoring them as the the man of the year. I'm like, oh... And we'll sell, well now we'll be into it. We'll oh, be into I'm going to be into it, but I'm just telling you that like the ho- other part of the hockey world will find a way to make oh, yeah. fun oh, of yeah. Leafs fans. On and a then you've got your one. your PWHL uh, 20 minutes three on three. I wish it was longer than that. This is a little bit longer than 20 minutes. But uh, from what Haley was saying, goaltending is too good. It might be a zero zero All Star game. 20 minutes, and we That's got it. and we got you hanging around there, right? Like, That's are we going to get like uh, how much screen time in 20 minutes can we get to you? My understanding is that. Before the game starts, we'll both Christine Simpson and I will both be on a different bench, and we will we'll have done a pregame interview with one of the players on our team. Mm-hmm. I selected—I don't know if you know her—Laura Stacy. Oh, did you? My best friend, my maid of honor. She will be the one I'm interviewing pregame. Okay. Hard-hitting questions coming. There'll be a level of comfort there. Yes. Surely. And then, so we'll both have an interview with somebody, and then at the beginning of the game, like when they whip around the ice, we'll be on the bench. We're going to do a bench side interview with somebody. 
Okay. And then I believe during the game, um, our lovely broadcast will throw to us like once or twice just to get like a quick. It's a lot in 20 minutes. That's what I'm saying. And they got to have like built-in commercial breaks. So, you know, what if the what if the play goes on a little bit long and they, they have to sneak? Yeah, it's going to be intense. And I've never done this before. So take it easy on me, folks, that are going to see me bench side report. Like, I don't know. It's going to be fun. Don't but. don't plant that seed. I'm just saying. You don't need to do that. Well, maybe I blow people away. Or maybe they have a reason to be like, let's take it easy on her. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's all to come. A Sportsnet, of course, we'll have everything on Thursday. Friday, we'll be down there for the skills competition, which is going to be a blast. A million dollars on the line uh, for the first time ever. So we're going to be able to do a little bit of, Justin and I are doing a little bit of like chaos, controlled chaos, I think. I, I, I have no idea. Controlled chaos, I, I suppose. It's controlled chaos. We're working with John Bartlett and, yeah, and that's Jim really Ralph, fun. so that's it's like not a little controlled four chaos person part of it. team. Uh, I don't know. We're going to be bombing around there. We'll have a mic. We'll say mm-hmm. some things. Hopefully it's uh, coherent, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun regardless. And then Saturday, of course, is the actual All-Star Games, plural, right? Because there's three. Yes. Yes. See? And we'll be on between those games. We've got it figured out, folks. We're still working away, clearly. Over, under... Four and a half bags of popcorn you individually eat. Well, I don't think I'm going to get the opportunity to do it. I don't think be that's downstairs true. on the glass. No, I don't know where I'm going to be, but I'm not going to be upstairs eating the popcorn. <laughs> Wish I. All right, let's take a quick break. Um, on the other side, we got a couple things to go through. We're on for another half an hour uh, before we send it to Raptors Bowls, which is on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, the fan pregame back in a couple of minutes. <laughs> 